Welcome to Chit Chat Money. This is our Thursday deep dive episode where we interview an analyst or an expert on a single stock. And today we talk with Leandro about Constellation Software, which is known, I guess, for being a high quality compounder, a serial acquirer of software businesses. He gets into all of that. But before we get there, any highlights from the episode for you, Brett? Yeah. So Leandro, this is his first time on the show and he works with Chris at Potential Multibaggers. And we know that that's a very popular uh, service for member, for listeners of the show and for, for when he comes on. So it's very similar style of investing. And he runs something called Best Anchor Stocks. I think I should mention we talk about that, that you can go check out. It's in conjunction, I think, with Potential Multibaggers a bit, but it's his own Seeking Alpha service. Besides that, on Constellation Software, I think the highlights are one, that it's a hundred bagger since his IPO in 2006 Two, uh, that it's only had, I think a 30% drawdown. So low volatility, amazing returns and kind of trying to identify what gave them the special sauce to have those phenomenal returns over the last 15 years is very interesting to talk about. And Leandro goes through all the details, you know, or acquisitions, organic growth, IRRs, um, I, everything. What, what am I missing? The, the management team, the decentralized structure. I loved all that stuff. Yeah, no, he covers it really well. I was actually surprised how thorough his analysis was, especially for having, uh, I guess, owned it for, and he talks about this only, I think, three or four months. Um, but Correct. yeah, he, he really understood the business well. Before we get to the interview, though, we've got a new sponsor alert. Sound the alarms. Uh, the new sponsor is Knack Bags, and they sent us a bag. And I just, I recently went to Mexico, so I used it. And these things are, it's versatile is the word I would use. I, and I'm, I'm, I know there are sponsors, so I kind of got to pump it, but the, uh, the bag is actually pretty sweet. It, it's, uh, I was able to throw like flip-flops plus computers in different pockets. It, you can basically add anything you want. It's expandable too. So it can kind of turn into almost a, a suitcase in a sense. Um, but everything you need, you can pretty much fit in there in its own pocket and it's padded. It's, it's very, everything you, everything you want to backpack, it's got it. Um, and so I wish we can, maybe we can find some way to visual show, show some sort of a visual, uh, but it's go ahead, check them out. And it's, uh, what's our code knack back yeah, so let- chat. Let, I'll explain this one. You can get a free TSA approved lock of $15 value if you use our code NACCHAT at checkout. NACCHAT, it's spelled. We'll have it in the show notes, but you'll get a free TSA lock that can help you when you're traveling because we know, you know, laptops, all that good stuff can be, um, you know, you want to secure that stuff. And yeah, check out our link in the show notes. If you have any questions, give us an email on that. It's a great bag. I love yeah. it. If, if you actually want to, yeah, if you want me to show you a picture, just shoot, shoot us an email. It's chitchatmoneypodcast at gmail.com. It's a pretty sweet bag. Uh, and I, we've got an extra one for Brett here once he gets back to the, uh, the offices. But yeah, go ahead, check them out. Without further ado, let's get to our interview. Welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Welcome to Chit Chat Money. Today, we are welcomed by Leandro. Uh, we met Leandro through Twitter, uh, actually through our friend, Chris, uh, from Potential Multibaggers. Um, and he is the main contributor at Best Anchor Stocks. It's a service for Seeking Alpha. Feel free to look it up. Uh, we'll try to drop a link in the show notes um, and connect it however we can. But Leandro, welcome to the show. Uh, we're, we're talking Constellation Software. So how when was the first time you came across Constellation? Well, uh, first of all, thank you guys for, for having me. I uh, normally listen to your podcast, so it's it's an honor to be here. Um, well, I, I first heard about Constellation something like three months ago, maybe four, four or three months ago. 
because uh, I follow on Twitter. Maybe you guys know him. Is CJ Opel that he is uh, a Canadian Canadian investor, and he talked regularly about about constellation. And I and I read a thread where he described some of Mark Leonard's uh, policies. And the one that surprised me the most is that a software company had not issued uh, a single share since IPO. So that's like, I was kind of surprised and I started reading about the company. And then I just like uh, liked what I was seeing and was kind of surprised also that it wasn't well known considering the the high quality of the company. And do you want to go through... The, I'm sure some of our listeners have heard of it, but for those who haven't, do you want to go through the basics of their business model and then maybe provide an example of some of the businesses that they own? Yeah, sure thing. Uh, well, Constellation is a serial acquirer of vertical market software companies. Maybe uh, many people are not familiar with what BMS companies are, but they're basically software companies that are tailored to one specific vertical like healthcare or maybe fitness or whatever like the prison system and they satisfy critical needs for the customers there they're typically very specific needs and they differ from horizontal market software businesses in that they cannot be applied to other verticals okay so so their time are constraints for example, uh, an example of a horizontal market business or software is Microsoft Office. You can basically use that that software for an industry. And an example of vertical market software could be uh, the reservation management software of a sports club. We we like we can say for sure that that time is not going to be in the billions because it's very specifically tailored to to that vertical. So Constellation, what, what they do is they basically acquire a lot of these companies that are cash flow generative, and then they get those cash flows and they reinvest them in more acquisition and, and they sort of get a flywheel spin, spinning to make like, it's like a kind of a snowball effect with the acquisitions. And how many, I don't know if you have this number on the top of your head, but how many VMS providers or software providers do they own? So is it in the thousands? Am I getting that right? No, it's, it's close, but not, not yet uh, in the thousands. It's around 700 to 800 VMS companies, but they are acquiring now at a at a rate of a hundred per year, so in a couple of years, a couple of years we should be in the thousands. Okay. Okay, and I think the big question people have when looking at something like this is, okay, how does a management team not lose all of the, you know, I mean, lose track of everything? It seems very stressful or something like that, where you'd own all these companies and you had to keep track of them, you know, the CEO or something like that. But what they've done is set up a decentralized operating structure. Um, can you explain what that is and how do you how that's helped them? You know, get to where they are today. Yeah. So the if if we go over the like the typical path for any serial acquirer is that they typically starts with start with small acquisitions, and then as they grow the small acquisitions don't move the needle anymore because if you're a hundred million company and you make a one million acquisition, well, that's not going to be very significant. So uh, they try to, to do more acquisitions, but then they start to suffer bottlenecks because most of these acquisitions have to go through the CEO's desk and the CEO's time is limited. So they end up, scaling up by making larger acquisitions instead of uh, increasing the number of acquisitions. Uh, Mark Leonard, who like founded Constellation, knew that this was a problem. And the only way to scale in number of acquisitions without having to do larger acquisitions was by setting up this decentralized operating structure where 
the companies that the, that Constellation acquires are um, are operating independently from Constellation. The only difference is that they are backed up by Constellations. They have their know-how, and they also have uh, a, fin a financial cushion because Constellation is going to be there for them in case they need it. But the the parent company that can be understood as Constellation doesn't go into the operating matters of these companies in the majority of cases. Sometimes they do. Okay, so if, for example, the Aquaraft a company that has three business lines and one business business line is losing money, sometimes they'll close that business line because they are interested in, in the cash flow and they don't want to have a business line that is burning cash. So for this goal, they basically broke like broke the company into six operating groups that act like mini constellations, so to say. So they are like a small constellation. And then this, these operating groups have expanded further into sub-operating groups and business units that can also make acquisitions. So what they have done is push the capital allocation decisions and the operating decisions down the operating structure to the company level. And when we say business unit, a business unit can be a company that has 10 employees and they are responsible for allocating capital too. Okay. And the okay one thing that people think about with them is software they're like all right you're competing kind of with all these private equity funds you're competing with all these vcs but actually when you look at constellation they're competing in something that no one has really wanted to touch in the past and that is kind of those slower growth vms companies can you explain that niche they've gone in and why you know they're able to acquire companies for two times sales three times sales that may have these really really high margins yeah, so Constellation just focuses on the internal rate of return. And so price is the most important thing they go after when, when they are acquiring a company. Uh, of course, well, we can see the public markets differ from the private markets, but you can see in, in public markets that buying a SaaS company with a large time uh, and high growth is impossible to buy cheap because these things come really expensive. So the only way to buy companies where the price makes sense is first going into, into small acquisitions because uh, as private equity firms and venture capital firms get large, they don't target these, these companies anymore. And the other way is to go for companies that are in some sort of trouble and then trying to they, they don't even have to remodel these companies so that they start growing because if you pay the, a fair price, it doesn't matter if it's, if it's declining, like the business is declining because you can make a fair return on the, on the investment. So the competition is mostly, is mostly around price. And the, the good thing that Constellation has against its competitors that it's also it's not a differentiating factor as price, but it's their reputation because uh, a venture capital firm, uh, well, first, a venture capital will pro will most likely have a portfolio of companies that are much riskier than a VMS, uh, VMS company, and they'll be expecting some large payoff on very few investments. And then private equities, what they do is they buy a company, they change completely the company, and then they sell it at a, at a higher price. Constellation works differently because they buy a company and they expected to hold it forever and they let the, the owner that was in the business run the business. So, so they have this sort of reputation behind it where some uh, VMS owners want to be acquired by it. And so to say, like some of them just don't think only about the price. They also think about the conditions that they are going to have if they are owned by Constellation. Okay. And you... You touched or you talked about it briefly, um, which is Mark Leonard. So do you want to go into who he is? And then wh why do you think he's been so successful at running Constellation? And just kind of talk talk about how crucial he is to the company overall. So Mar Mark Leonard started working mm -hmm. as a venture capitalist. He worked there for 10 or 11 years. But then he realized that 
that wasn't really what he wanted to do because he didn't want to buy a company uh, with the objective of selling it. So he started to get the idea to to run a permanent investment vehicle. And well, he was looking at several industries and he found a VMS industry, which had everything that other industries, like good industries had, but lacked the a growing TAM, uh, a growing addressable market. So so he basically saw, saw an opportunity here because there wasn't much competition. These were good businesses and he would be able to own these businesses forever because they were resilient businesses. And that's sort of like, that's how he started Constellation. And then I, I think he's been an, a core part. Well, he is a core part of the thesis on Constellation, but I think he's less important now than what many people think. I think he was really, really important during the early stages of Constellation, especially because he looked for managers that were excellent capital allocators, like um, the average management tenure in Constellation is around 20 years. So they, all, they have been a long time with him. And he basically delegated from the very beginning the decisions to his operating group manage, uh, managers. Which is why I say that I don't think that he's so, so critical for, for the thesis now. Because if he were to leave, the I remember reading in one of his president letters, or I don't know if it was in the annual general meeting, he said that uh, almost all of the capital allocation decisions have been de- had been delegated in the year 2005. <laughs> so the, his managers have been already 17 years allocating the capital of Constellation. And as you can see, they, they've done quite well. Yeah, and we we were kind of talking about this before the show, but he's not in the public eye and I'd be we got a lot of questions on Twitter about his beard. Um <clears throat> but I'm not going to I'm not going you can comment on that if you want. But how do you think there's I guess do you want to talk maybe about the reasoning behind why he's so discreet and how does that play into how does that sort of low profile play into the compensation structure and maybe talk broadly about the compensation structure? Yeah, so um, Mark Leonard had a bad experience with the, with the press when he was uh, in venture capital. So he decided like he, they, they got some, the media got some of his words out of context and he didn't like it. Uh, I guess that's what the majority of the media does. So I don't know why he was surprised. Um, so then he he decided to not be a public figure. There, I think there are like there's one picture uh, on the internet or two pictures. One of them is a a screenshot of a YouTube video that has been taken down like ten times when people have tried to upload it. And I think. One of this this is the main reason why he is not a public figure, but I think it also has to do with the fact that he wants to keep Constellation out of the spotlight because Constellation has a rather uh, strange compensation plan if we compare it with the SaaS companies that we are used to. Uh, they have not uh, issued one share since IPO. So, but they obviously, they obviously want their managers to be aligned with shareholders. So what, so managers above a certain threshold of, of pay are, are forced, so to say, to invest their bonus in the company's stock. And because they don't issue more shares, they have to go to the open market to buy them. So Mark Leonard is really interested in having a stock price that clearly uh, tracks the fundamentals of the company because if the stock price goes too high, then managers are going to buy less shares with the same money and they're not going to like it because they they will be obviously buying an overvalued stock. And if it goes too low, uh, Mark Leonard argued, this was probably during the early days, if the stock price was too low, uh, they were an acquisition target and he didn't like that either. So he always made an effort to maintain a, a stable stock price. I think 
one of the ways he did it is by being out of the spotlight himself. The other way wa was by not being uh, US listed. He remained in, in the Toronto Stock Exchange. There is a ticker in the US, but it's an unsponsored ADR. So Constellation has basically nothing to do with that, uh, with that ticker. And he also has done a great job in educating his, his shareholder base. Uh, if you read some of his, uh, the transcripts of the annual general meetings, he's very focused on, on long-term investors. And, and he actually hates when there are traders uh, around his stock. If you see the trading volume of Constellation, it's very, very low. Uh, he also had, uh, well, this is like, an anecdote, but he also hates um, index funds because <laughs> they. He says that those when they go to the annual general meeting, he always says like, "Well, these guys are here, but we should even count them as shareholders." To be honest, <laughs> and he's, if I'm not mistaken, he's like, he's sort of anti-share repurchases as well, isn't he? Yeah. Um, he doesn't he doesn't like well while i was researching the company one of like part of my thesis was well if constellation owns 700 cash generating businesses so if the thesis or the m a strategy stops scaling uh there's some optionality in all this cash that, that the company generates to uh, give out dividends or repurchase stock uh, because the cash are the cash flows are not going to go away, so it was like kind of a protection. But then I read in one of his president letters that uh, he hates stock repurchases or buybacks because he thinks that if you a company starts doing buybacks, they are doing so with insider information, so to say, and they are and the shareholders stop being shareholders and they become prey because you are going, you're trying to cannibalize them. Mm -hmm. So that's why he, he hates repurchases and he hasn't done one single buyback since IPO. Like the shares, the shares outstanding are basically the same, but he has given out uh, dividends. Um, he gave a special dividend not long ago, but when he saw that, when they turn to large acquisitions, then he he cut this dividend and went back to the usual dividend. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Yeah, it seems very Buffett-esque of him that, well, I mean, Berkshire is buying back stock now, but it's kind of similar, you know, uh, I guess they're even more strict than Berkshire Hathaway. But that leads into the next question. You mentioned getting beyond these small vertical market software businesses. And a year ago, there was a great letter. It was kind of a big surprise, I think, where Constellation and specifically Leonard outlined two ways to continue growing at size. First one was moving to large VMS businesses and then the second one was developing a new circle of competence. I think first question on that, what progress has been made on that front? Okay, so in, in large VMS, they are already like the company is already doing these acquisitions. Uh, Constellation is very strict when it comes to capital allocation. So they have set uh, hurdle rates for acquisitions below 100 million and acquisitions above 100 million. Anything above 100 million is considered actually uh, quite large. 
so um, they they always comply with these order rates regardless of the size of the company. But of course, uh, they know that in large acquisitions they have to have a somewhat reduced hurdle rate because the competition is much more intense and there are more established companies uh, in which the risk is, is also smaller. So they typically were on a, a higher price. Mm, they recently did the, did the um, largest acquisition in the company's history, which was 700 million. And just to give a, a bit of context uh, about this this size, this is almost fifty percent of what the company deployed in in twenty twenty one, just in one acquisition. So it's it was pretty large. I I assume that they are going to keep doing more large uh, VMS acquisitions because it's impossible to have such a high uh, capital base, such a large capital base to deploy and deploy it all in. 3 million acquisitions, like in, in like acquisitions that are worth 3 million, 5 million, 10 million. It's, it's just impossible, even if you're decentralized as they are, because there's a limit to decentralization. And on the on the other growth uh, venture that, that you mentioned that is moving to a new circle of competence, I actually think uh mark leonard knows that this is really really difficult he actually says in the president letter and also in the in the annual general meeting uh he gets asked about this and he says that the the possibilities to find such an industry are very very small but i think it's positive for shareholders that management is thinking about diversifying away from bms because we actually don't know we, we know that the pool of VMS companies is really large. It's around 40,000 companies that can be potential targets for a constellation. But we don't know how the competition is going to evolve. Maybe uh, some companies emerge that are successful in copying constellations model, and then prices go up and, and that uh, pool just, uh, constellation sees how that pool is reduced. So if they want to find something that is an alternative, they have to start early, which is which I think is what they are doing. But I honestly, as a shareholder, don't put much of my faith into, into finding another industry that's, uh, that has the same advantages. I do, I do think that if this industry exists, then it's Mark Leonard and his team who, who are going to find it. But I actually can't come up with such an industry, and and I don't put the I'm not putting my money on on that venture being being successful. To be honest, yeah, I I, uh, I have a bunch of more questions actually, but uh, before we get to those, we're gonna take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by KPMG. As a business leader, how can you innovate, build trust, and move forward in a digital era? KPMG can help by bringing together the right talent and technologies, generating insights that spark opportunities. To explore their thinking, visit read.kpmg.us slash opportunities. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Here you are miles from home and ready to start your vacation. Good thing you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. They have free high-speed Wi-Fi to stream all your favorite movies. And in the morning... Get fresh waffles with their free bright side breakfast or squeeze in a workout at their fitness center. Either way, you're ready to conquer the day. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you triumph. Book your stay at LQ.com. Welcome back in. Uh, so I guess one question that was kind of coming to the top of my mind is that it, it feels like a lot of this, it feels like it's kind of in a transitional period for Constellation where, <clears throat> and we already just talked about this, where they are having to find new ways to grow. And so how much of the, and I know we already touched on this, but how much of that new strategy comes as a shareholder comes down to just trusting Mark Leonard and trusting the team that they're able to do that? Well, I think uh, if you invest in a, in any serial acquirer, uh, the trust on management is the number one thesis because you are, you're not, investing in a product or in a service 
like it's not uh, as if uh, I don't know if you're investing in in Apple, you know that their technology is quite good. Well, quite good, not it's excellent. Their hardware is one of the the best hardware there is. So if management gets replaced, you more or less can say okay, so they can work with what they have. But in when it comes to serial acquirers, um, it's you're investing in management's ability to allocate capital. So I think trust is the the number one um, characteristic that you have to look for in in acquirers. I think Mark Leonard and his team has made have made an awesome job at building trust uh, among shareholders. Mm, I have been here, like I have been a shareholder for a couple of months now, and I have read uh, the president letters since the year 2007. And just by reading the letters, I think you can get to trust uh, Mark Leonard because you you can see that what he said in 2010, it's becoming a reality in 2018. Like everything he says, he's actually, uh, he actually goes for it and in most occasions achieves it. So there have been, it's not, it's not a conventional company. If you, if you look at what management has done in some occasions, that could be red flags for any other company. For example, they stopped um, reporting return on invested capital because they thought that that metric was not relevant anymore. Maybe for another company, that would be a massive red flag. But for Constellation, people trusted Mark Leonard. So they said, okay, I believe you that this is not the relevant metric. Let's let's look at, at another metric. Right. So I think I have like all the shareholders have to trust what they have done because there is no reason not to trust them. Maybe they, they screw it up, but I highly doubt it, to be honest. Yeah. And let's talk about valuation. Uh I believe we were kind of talking about this before we uh, uh, hit record, but the uh, I think it trades at around 40 times. It's trailing free cash flow. How do you go about valuing Constellation? And then what do you think needs to happen for them to generate acceptable returns from here? Okay, so when it trades like 40 times, Cash flow is their their free cash flow available to to shareholders metric. Uh, this metric is a bit special because they, for example, this year like in Q4 the the metric decreased. Uh, so that was if you don't have context, you look at that metric and say, "Whoa, free cash flow is decreasing. That's not good." But it's because they included a um, a non cash expense in the in free cash flow like they didn't they didn't adjust for the for a non-cash expense which was kind of weird but it was a a revalu, uh, revaluation of a liability but i guess that if they do it that way it's because they think that it's quite probable that probable that they they'll have to pay it out so they are not taking it to account like shareholders own it if you do it with the traditional free cash flow way which is operating cash flow minus capex then the company is trading at around 30 times uh, free cash flow, which is not cheap, obviously, but it's more more in line with which the with the the company's valuation over the last over the last years. I think there's been quite significant multiple expansion because people have come to realize that the m a strategy can scale a lot more than they thought it would. So if Constellation was valued at, say, 10 times uh, free cash flow or 15 times, I think that reflects that people thought that it could not scale more. But now it just posted a record uh, year in acquisitions. For example, if they made 95 acquisitions, which is a record. And they deployed the, they have deployed in the last three years, like, 50% of the capital that the company has deployed in its history. So I think people have come to realize that. And also, it's a bit tricky because if you see a high multiple, you also have to take into account that with all the cash that they are allocating now, the multiple is going to contract uh, a lot faster 
because when all of the of the new acquisitions start to play a role in the free cash flow, like in the denominator, then the multiple uh, will contract probably next year. It will be much lower if the company doesn't move from here, which I which I don't think it, it will happen. But I, I I think that valuation in in the case of a serial acquiry is so complicated because. Um, it is not dependent on on sales. It's dependent on what acquisitions they do, when they do them. Uh, like you have to go into management head to do that. Like imagine if you valued Constellation uh, one month ago and you projected that this year they they would deploy I don't know one billion in acquisitions, and then they come out with a seven hundred million acquisition in one day. Like it completely changes the the landscape. Right. How big is the world of uh, the small software providers? Like, is there still like a ton of room for them to acquire companies that way? Obviously, it won't move the needle as much, but is like, do you know sort of the, I guess, the the potential acquisition target? Like, how many are there? Yeah. According to <clears throat> to management, there are around 40,000 um, VMS companies that could be acquired by Constellation. And considering that they have acquired uh, 700, I think the penetration is quite low yet. Uh, however, like the, the, the difficult thing about Constellation's uh, like M&A is that it's not a... It's not like if you go out and say, okay, I want to buy this company, I do it in one week. Uh, I like what they do. The, the, the process takes years. So they contact, they have, I recall reading that they have a, like a list of, uh, of potential acquisitions and they get in touch with, with these founders two or three times a year just to maintain contact. And so that if, this, if the founder wants to sell, the first place where he goes is Constellation. So they're basically like uh, building this um, acquisition base. And then they're like working very hard to, so that they are loyal to them in case they want to sell. Uh, and this is really what's, what's complicated because, uh, and it's also part of, the, of their moat because it takes a lot of years to start building this model. So if now a new competitor comes in and wants to copy Constellation's model, well, to do his first acquisition, maybe he has to be in contact with a, with an acquire, like a potential acquirer um, for two or three years. So how are you gonna do that? Are you going to be without a single acquisition? And then in two years, you're going to announce your first acquisition. I think that's part of the remote, to be honest. Can you explain the Topicus spin? I don't know if I'm saying that name right, but that is a little yeah. confusing maybe for a first time shareholder. Yep. Yeah, so uh, Constellation acquired um, two companies that were called uh, Total Specific Solutions and Topicus. And then uh, management decide, decided to spin them off. Uh, so they merged them and spin them off as a standalone company that now is called Topicus.com, that is actually one of the six operating groups. Um, the Constellation owns around 30% uh, of Topicus.com, but has a super voting share that gives them like 50% of the voting rights. They, the rationale behind the, the spin-off, well, uh, we, we have not said this, uh, but there's another source of growth for Constellation besides um, acquisitions, which is organic growth. Okay, so they have 700 companies and if the, the 700 companies in the portfolio grow organically, that then Constellation also grows, obviously. This has been typically low uh, and it's just a consequence of, of the industry because TAMs are capped and well, a company cannot grow further than than its market. So Topicus was a 
was a company that was really good at it's another serial acquirer that was really good at growing businesses organically. So now the the objective is more or less to after the spin-off is to share the lessons that they get from Topicus, uh, from Topicus organic growth and try to apply them to the rest of the operating groups to see if they can pick up organic growth too. Uh, the the um, the spin-off is really messy, like with the preferred shares and everything and all the parties involved. So there's a lot of noise in this year's uh, financial statement, both for Constellation and um, for Topicus, because when the shares converted, that created a, a non-cash expense. So the companies appear to be less profitable than what they really are. And it has created a bit of of dilution in the case of in the case of topicus but uh, so the, the rationale behind is trying to pick up uh, organic growth you you talked about how <clears throat> constellation is being a serial acquirer it's it's like hard to value are there any like individual metrics that you're watching to see how shareholder value is growing yeah i would I would look at uh, free cash flow available to shareholders. Uh, well, you should look at that metric per share, but here is not really relevant because the shares outstanding are, are always the same. Because that's basically the money that belongs to you as a as a shareholder that has been compounding nicely over the the last uh, two decades. Well, no, yeah, two decades, less than two decades, fifteen years, I think. Uh, Constellation has been publicly traded. And I also would focus on return on invested capital, although I think that, that return on invested capital is a more difficult metric to to track because if Constellation now um, starts to deploy a lot of capital, its return on invested capital is going to go down because you are increasing a lot the denominator, which is the average invested capital but the the net income is not increasing automatically so then you're going to see like a drop in return on invested capital that is not you shouldn't really trust because the results of the investments are going to are on a longer time frame and well mark leonard also always says that they are going to return to the mean when it comes to return on invested capital but the truth is that they are returning much much slower than than most of the companies so they do seem to have a, a very strong competitive advantage and those two metrics i think are the the most important when tracking constellation i would say that also the number of acquisitions is important because you get a feel of uh, how the m a strategy is scaling so, for example, if if I were to see that next year the constellation just uh, just does I don't know uh, twenty acquisitions, then I would get a bit worried because it would mean that most of these acquisitions would have been large and uh, they are not doing smaller acquisitions, which they also can do at the at lower levels, like at the business unit level, and. Another metric to track, everything is about acquisitions. I would also look at organic growth, especially after the two ventures that if we want, we can talk about them now. The two ventures that the company uh, has in place to try to, to increase organic growth. I will also look at what percentage of operating cash flow the company is being able to, to deploy in acquisitions. Because a number close to 100 would mean that the company has plenty of opportunities to deploy the capital. But a number close, for example, to 20% would mean that 80% uh, of the capital was not deployed, probably because the company, uh, none of the acquisitions in the market met the company's uh, hurdle rate. And that would be worrying because that would mean that the, the market is getting, is getting very competitive. And then probably Constellation would have to lower hurdle rates if they want to keep deploying that capital base. Is there a ceiling to how much they can invest? Well, there, there surely is a ceiling. <laughs> I don't know where it is, but the thing is that 
if, if you take like the what they have done with small and medium sized VMS companies that they they have been able to go from like 10 yearly acquisitions to a hundred. Uh, and now that they are turning to large acquisitions, well, the ceiling is difficult to draw a ceiling because maybe they they do uh, in the future 20 or 30 large acquisitions per year. And that's a lot of capital deployed. <laughs> so um, I think it's, it's probably very difficult that the company does 100 large VMS acquisitions because these, the large acquisitions are not delegated to the business unit level. So they are mostly done at the operating group level joined with the headquarters where Mark Leonard is. Um, there, there surely is a ceiling, but I don't think it's close to be honest. I think that the company has demonstrated that it can scale and I don't see why they will not be able to apply that scaling to larger acquisitions. Uh, you had a, I think we, uh, I may have missed it, but you want, you wanted to follow up on the organic growth thing. Uh, the two things they're doing there. Do you want to hit that before we have the last yep. question here? Yep. So the company has basically, like we, we said before that organic growth has historically been pretty low. Um, the company is trying to pick that, pick up that growth because they know that it's also important for the basically because high organic growth also increases your capital base so you have more money to deploy um and they have done one to like two ventures to to try to to pick this up one is we already talked about it is the topic of spin-off and then sharing the the best practices across the other operating groups and the other one is the company open recently opened um a VC fund, a venture capital fund, where they will be investing in around 20 to 40 companies in the next uh, three to five years. Um, and they are going to invest basically in high growth VMS businesses. They know that they are probably going to pay more. Obviously, it's venture capital. It's going to be riskier. But they are interested in the... Um, in the best practices that they can learn from these companies to later apply to the whole portfolio. I like how Mark Leonard um, frames it because he, he says that they're investing into this VC fund, 200 million. And he basically says like, well, uh, if it goes well, then organic growth is going to be much better because we're going to be able to, to pick that up. And if it doesn't go well, uh, it's like, 200 million and we are making more than 1 billion in free cash flow in a year. So it's not like we are like betting the farm on this venture. So it's basically, a, they see it as a win-win. I do too, because I think organic growth has much more potential than it's showing. And those are like the two ventures that the company has set up to pick up organic growth, which I think is also an underappreciated growth lever for the company many people are focused are really really focused on the acquisitions and i understand because it's the majority of the growth for the last decade has come from acquisitions and not organic growth but the impact of increasing organic growth two or three percentage points per year are going to be huge over a long time frame do you think the reputational advantage that constellation has developed in the vms space translates to venture capital, or is it kind of just a different, I guess, ball game? Since I mean, do you do you think they can take that like long term owner principles to the VC world? Well, I don't think I don't think that would be a a problem in the for the VC fund because Constellation is trying to um, incentivize internal employees to be the ones who are starting the. The new, the newly created VMS companies. So, um, of course, they will also look at projects that are outside of of the constellation universe. But they would prefer if it would come from the inside, because they know that they are talking with someone that knows how constellation operates. Uh, so, I don't think that reputation is going to play a really important role there. 
but uh, if it's for a third party, I do think that a VMS owner that starts uh, a new business would like to be under Constellation's umbrella because it's the largest owner of VMS, the VMS companies worldwide. All right, last question here. What could go wrong with an investment in Constellation software? Okay, so for me, the, the biggest risk is that um, the company increasingly goes to larger acquisitions. Well, this is going to happen. The company is going to increasingly make more large acquisitions. But if competition gets intense there in the large acquisitions and they start to run out of ideas, then two things can happen. One is that management will return this capital to shareholders, maybe uh, through mostly through dividends. Maybe even Mark Leonard changes his mind and does some buybacks. Uh, but the worst thing would be that Constellation is forced to to decrease its hurdle rates to be able to to compete in the in the large VMS industry. Uh, I don't think this will happen over the short term, to be honest, because if they are they are able to find uh, opportunities in such a hot market like we have now in in software businesses, I don't see why uh, this will not be the case going forward especially as things cool down a bit, which they will probably will. And also, I, I think they are protected against this risk because they are so focused on the internal rate of return and they are going for companies that other acquirers don't even dare to look at. For example, buying a company that is expected to decrease revenue 10% next year. That's not some a business that many people want to own. So I think that's constellation at constellation's advantage, but a lowering of the of the hurdle rates, I think would would hurt a lot of the the current thesis. Okay, I think that's all the questions we have. Brett, do you have any more? Leandro, did we miss anything that's important to constellation? No, I think we we touched mostly everything. Okay, where can uh, listeners find you? Uh, on Twitter, uh, it's uh, at InvestQuotes or Seeking Alpha at Bet Best Anchor Stocks. Okay, perfect. Uh, without further ado, we want to remind our listeners that Brett and I are not financial advisors. Anything we say or discuss here on Chit Chat Money is not formal advice or recommendation. We are, however, general partners at Arch Capital, so clients may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. 